Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Socially Distant Sports Bar fans, welcome to the Socially Distant Sports Bar. I want you guys to be thinking about helping your friends out and changing their lives. We love having all of you on board as part of the Socially Distant Sports Bar crew, the Distant Pod listeners. You guys mean a lot to us. We would love it if there were even more of you. And if some of your friends headed in our direction, that would make us super happy. The best way of getting people involved in the podcast, I think, is to send them one of our pint-sized Distant Pod episodes, because they're a bit shorter, a little bit less time investment for them, but it gives them a pretty good idea of what it is that we do on Distant Pod. So recent weeks, Ellis's Jamie Carragher, we all watched the Kiss one, that is up as as a little snippet from the Socially Distant Sports Bar. That is Pint Size Distant Pod 26. If you search for that, it's called We All Watch The Kiss. Send that to some of your mates. Pint Size Distant Pod 28 is just called Simon. It is. It is Simon Slice. Okay, it is the little bit that Ellis and Mike go off on about Kimbo Slice that, again, is one of my favourite bits that I think will bring people into listening to the podcast. If you've got a mate who you think will really enjoy the Socially Distant Sports Bar, that is one of the best ways of selling it to them. If you could do that little bit of work for us, we'd be very, very, very appreciative. And then pick whatever your favourite episode is, or maybe a best of. Pick one of the best ofs. There's about five of them on there, and just send that over to them. Hopefully, they will see what you see in the podcast and maybe aren't put off by the word sport in the title, as an example. If you are not a subscriber, you are not a true believer in the podcast. I'm not sure that's the right phrase. If you can afford a quid a month, head over to Spotify, search for the Socially Distant Sports Bar Extra, and subscribe there for a pound a month. You will get a load of extra content. You get a second round of clips every single episode. When we do an episode with a guest, you get half an hour's extra so there's half an hour of sam warburton that you haven't listened to that is waiting for you there is about 40 minutes i think of the kate mason episode that is waiting there for you if you have a little bit more money to spare and you want to listen to us talking about movies uh, head over to patreon.com slash distant pod there's a four quid a month option there's a six quid a month option there's an eight quid and a ten quid uh, the eight and ten you get michael owens movie club which is us every single month talking to you about a movie that we have watched, okay? Because Michael Owen never watched any movie. I think he watched six in his life, so that's the idea for the title of that. If you wish to be so generous, it would be great to get you involved in that. Those are always about an hour long, and we talk about a different movie every single month. Sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of this week's Socially Distant Sports Bar. This is a paid advert from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, we all carry around lots of different sort of stress moments, whether it's like big or small. It could be as huge as how am I going to pay the mortgage this month 
or you know I'm I'm ill but I don't really want to talk to anybody about that because I don't want to make them feel stressed about it as well or you know it could be just something as small as how am I going to get to school pick up in time I've got a meeting how do I change that how do I move that I forgot to cancel that and lots of the time we keep it bottled up and whether it's big or small it can really start to affect us negatively and therapy is kind of a safe space to get those things off your chest so whether it's like coming up with plans to to organize your life a little bit better or whether it's just having someone to talk to about those things you don't want to stress out your mates or your family with if you're thinking of giving therapy a try better help is a great option it's convenient accessible affordable and entirely online you will be matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash distant. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash distant. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it's time for the documentary on the socially distanced sports bar this week. Uh, Ellis James, you chose this one. This is very new. It's current. It's only just come out. And I thought the first episode, which is the one we're discussing today, was absolutely brilliant. This is the Tour de France Unchained on Netflix. Le Tour de France, c'est très simple. C'est une course de vélo chaque jour pour 21 étapes. Si vous êtes capable d'aller plus loin dans la souffrance et dans le sacrifice, vous avez peut-être une chance. De gagner. Tour de France is something you dream of when you're a little kid. To go to Tour de France is always pressure. That's not easy. If you win a stage here, it's probably one of the biggest things you can win in your whole career. My mind is exploding. I never expected. Vous accrochez le dossier, vous devenez un autre homme. Allez, 300 mètres, Bob, 300 mètres. In the end, my only goal is to win. Quand les années, ça se passe pas comme prévu, euh, c'est difficile à vivre. Hein. It's always a big rivalry in cycling. Tu peux être éliminé très très rapidement. Il faudra aller au-delà de la souffrance, au-delà de la douleur. At that moment, I thought everything was finished. I had to leave my home, my family. Winning a stage would make all of the sacrifices worth it. We always go as close to the limit as possible. Vous êtes des soldats, vous êtes des guerriers. We're cyclists. You always keep pushing and pedaling. So again, great access, great stories. There's a few seconds of Geraint Thomas. I think he's going to crop up more in future episodes. I've only seen the first one, but this one concentrates on the team Quickstep, Alpha Vinyl, we're announcing their lineup, and also uh, Fabio Jakobsen, because he's a brilliant sprinter, but he had an Awful accident in Poland, a real life-threatening accident. Three days in a coma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he <laughs> he, he talks about his injuries. I Google his injuries. He doesn't mention about two thirds of them. No, it's horrific. 
It's absolutely. That's like fifty meters before the finish line, wasn't it? it was yeah, right yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just goes into the barriers, over the top of the barriers, into what looks like the the sort of finishing line, you know, the arch that goes over the yeah. top. Of yeah, it. it was straight into a metal construct. Shattered, awful, complete face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's Wah. it's really, really, it's it's terrible. This is the the twenty twenty two Tour de France, so they've got. Great access, and it follows a few of the different teams. I can't remember the name of the team. Who were the team with Stefan as their sprinter? Or EF, the, in the pink shirts. Yes. Well, if, EF, was it? It was... Um, yes, it was. I think EF, yeah. uh, Education Easy Post. That's it, yeah. And the amazing thing with EF, Education Easy Post, is they, they are basically the worst team at the Tour de France. So their director was... Uh, the best kid, to be fair. Yeah, but yes. their, their director was an American Agreed. cyclist who was cycled alongside Lance Armstrong in the 90s. And because he was doping in the 1990s... He's really honest about that. They just came right out with it, isn't he? Very honest. Mm. And he says, you know, I, I had no idea where my moral compass was anymore. And I couldn't sleep at night because I was terrified I was going to get caught out. So in the end, I thought, I can't do this. But he also says that Lance Armstrong was his mate at the time. Mm. Slept like a baby. Didn't yeah. bother him in the yes, slightest. he does say that. Yeah, but he says, you know, we anti-doping, <laughs> that's a big part of our team and we're trying to make it cool. Now, they've had a bad season, but they've got enormous amount of pressure on their top rider. Because in the first time trial, the first stage of the Tour de France, which that year happened in Copenhagen, they really think that he can win it. Mm. So the way they explain they're like there are there are two top uh, sprinters, Wout van Aert, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but they're the two best in the world. Now, we can't afford them, so we are one notch down, which is where we are with Stefan. But he's a great technical rider, and we've worked so hard with him for six months. So there's this scene where they're in a wind tunnel at Silverstone, actually, in England. Yeah. And they're making tiny little modifications to his technique. Tiny little modifications. Like his right shoulder down ever so slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By a couple of centimetres. Yeah. But, like, that is where you need to be. Yeah. And if you can be there, and if you can remember how you feel when you're in this position and you can get into this position, you will be you know, X amount faster. So they're working so hard with him because they're like, we have to win a stage. He makes a point that had never actually occurred to me. He's like, if we're the crappest team at the Tour de France, no one will sponsor us. Yeah. And we're all losing our jobs. It's not that it's the cyclists or the support staff or the mechanics. Are, you're not losing your jobs. I'm first to go. Yes. Because I'm the director of this team. So all of our jobs are at risk. And it yeah. hadn't occurred to me, obviously, that you don't uh, brands don't want to be associated with the worst team. They don't want to be associated with the worst team, but they also want maximum on TV time. Yeah. So if you're up there on a mountain stage and you're in the top three, you're on TV low. All the time. Your name's yeah, getting yeah. said all the time as well. Exactly. So you're getting said and said and said. If you're in a time trial and you're leading you'd be sat in a sofa like this and they cut back to you all the time then for the rest of the time trial. So you're on TV for the entire day then as a team. It makes yeah. Yes, of course. I've got to say as well, speaking of sponsorship though, I love the names of cycling teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're the most random names. They are. Just, it's like they chuck a lot of products in the air and they just, whatever three land, that's what we're going to call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. If I look around my room now, my team would be called something like HPNV, Garnash, Pencil Sharp and a Supersport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, Pickford's HSBC 24-hour party people, Tony Wilson. <laughs> That's a good name. I was going to say, I'm making more money than you guys because I'm the, the Starbucks, Apple, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sunglasses, our team. you got to have some random in there as well, though. Sun gods. There we go. Perfect. Here we go. Yeah. Here I'm the Starbucks, Apple, sun gods. Also, mate, I mean, it's one of those docks. I started, okay, it's a 45-minute dock. I've got a lot on. Mm. Perfect. And I ended up watching... Oh, I watched two of them back to back. Yes, just when I started the third, I thought I got to go to bed. Yeah, so, so I watch an hour and a half. I watch the first two back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fired it's, through these. It's a brilliant doc, mate. Stefan, is it Stefan Bissiger? Is that yes, it is. Yeah, it? yeah. He's Education Easy Post's best <laughs> rider. <laughs> yes, it is a silly name. Education and what? Yeah, go on. <laughs> and there's a quick bit, step I, vinyl. There's a, there's <laughs> a quick step vinyl. Sunblast lopomatic all stars. Step off of vinyl. There's a there's a bit man in this in the first episode when it's the first stage of the Tour de France in Copenhagen, mm. and as someone who works in the governance of the tour says, it is the world's biggest cycling city meets the world's biggest cycling. Yeah. Race. So it's not just in France. You know, they've they the Grand Depart was in Yorkshire, wasn't it, a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah. 
So we are taking it to the world's biggest cycling city, Copenhagen. I never thought that. I thought it'd be like Amsterdam or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's bad. Right, Copenhagen is like, went there with the kids in the autumn and everywhere. Just That's everywhere. Yeah. That is where Boris Johnson got the idea for Boris Bikes. He nicked it from Copenhagen, I think. So yeah. Jonathan Vauters, who is the director of EF Education Easy Post, <laughs> he's like, he's, he's got to win this stage. Yeah. There's an awful lot of pressure on his shoulders. Now they turn mm. up in Copenhagen and it absolutely pisses down. It is torrential. Oh. Like... Yeah. The, the kind of rain that you are perfectly happy to discuss with strangers in shops when it <laughs> Oh well, mate. You know, you're like, you're like weather yeah. all the time. Bloody it. look at that. Mm. And then you've got old people saying, oh, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, it is absolutely <laughs> hammering down. And they've got to do a time trial in it. You know what they say in France? You play their car. What's that mean? It's raining ropes. Well, is that oh, what they say? Nice. Mm. They're not they're yeah. not um Chien or Chat, are they? No, they used to be uh this is no, they're not. They're not oh, anymore. That's a shame. Call is the one. In Raga the Finn in Welsh. Old ladies What's with sticks. Old ladies with sticks. <laughs> Fucking mental. Yeah, it's no, because it's meant to sound like uh, an old lady tapping a stick on a window. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've just got you've got a hundred thousand old ladies outside your house, all all doing that. That yes. makes more sense than cats and dogs. That, that is, that is yeah. my Saturday nights. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, please, Mike, please. Yeah, the Snagerton crowd. It, uh, <laughs> it absolutely pisses down. And Jonathan Vogters, who's the head of the team, he's like, this This benefits us because Stefan's such a good technical rider. We think he's going to thrive Kiss of death. in these conditions. <laughs> Whether you won't do is skid off twice. I'll tell you what he won't do. Oh, <laughs> he can handle corners in this weather. Oh, the, fuck. the second time... When, oh, it looks painful. When he doesn't oh. even... When they put them back on the bikes and they're just like, the lycra's burned through and they're just blood everywhere. Like, oh, God. Yeah, but he I've doesn't even try really and get back sore. on the bike. He's like, well, I have fucked it now, haven't I? Yeah. yeah and he just exactly. lifts his hands as if to go, yeah, sorry, but it is... You try second. It's really wet. Yeah. Someone's painted the floor. Fuck's sake. He was one of the favourites. People expected him to do really well. Mm. It's not a favourite who wins because that person just gets... It's a combination of luck and judgment, I would say, in those conditions. Here's a question. If, if, you, if it's motorcycle racing, right, you would have, well, typically sort of three sorts of tyres. It might be different now. But you'd, have, you'd have your slicks mm-hmm. on a dry day. You'd have your wet tyres mm. on a wet day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. a day that was intermittent, you'd have what they call cut slicks. So yeah, yeah. Is you, it the same with, you with would, robots? You, yeah, you, you, well, you certainly can. Yeah, you can have different okay. levels of grip if you if you know, if you know want them and they've, they've got the money to do that. It's just the bits with paint on the road. That is, yeah. you know, even but, uh, what I never get in this country. There's a very good reason they don't have that on MotoGP tracks and on yeah, Formula exactly. tracks. Yeah, but what what is the reason why, up until very recently at least, all of the cycle lanes in the UK were coloured paint? So when it rains, <sighs> yeah, it's just yeah, a yeah. fucking Slick. death yeah, It's like yeah, trying yeah. to cycle on ice. Yeah, absolutely insane decision. Mm. Do you want to come and see the Socially Distant Sports Bar live? Of course you do. You're listening to the Socially Distant Sports Bar. You like the Socially Distant Sports Bar. Maybe you've seen us before live. Maybe you came to our theatre tour. Maybe you came to the International Arena. Or maybe you've been to one of our um, recordings that we've done in London. We did a cracking one a few weeks back with Gordon Smart, which will be coming out as an episode very soon. We are doing a live show in November. Um, It's part of a festival called The Cheerful Earful. Do you see what they've done? Clever. Is it the Clapham Grand on Saturday, November the 4th? It's 2.30 in the afternoon, which means that after we've recorded, there will probably be some beer action as well, I would have thought. Uh, maybe not from me, but Michael definitely have a beer with you. If you want to come and see us live, there is a link in the episode description for this episode. So have a look on your phone, click on the episode description, and jump on board there. Click on it. Buy yourselves a ticket. If you are a Patreon or a Spotify extra, have a look on the Patreon app. There was a message that I sent out to you guys. Or have a look on the Patreon Facebook group. There's a message on there with a code that gets you the tickets for cheaper. We've also tried to cut the costs on this one as much as we can. So we work with the guys at Cheerful Earful. They are a cracking bunch of people. So the costs of this show are less than the shows we've been doing recently. The ticket prices are low. We're taking a bit of a hit, I'll be honest with you. Look, we could set it super high, 
and then make it not affordable for you guys to go, or we're just taking the mickey out of you guys, and we don't want to do that. So we've dropped the prices on this one. So compared to the other cheerful, earful ticket sales that you might see out there, our prices are very low. They've helped cut us some costs as well here and there. So thank you to those guys, but this is as cheap as we can go with a ticket, okay? So it will probably increase as time goes on. So if you don't buy them now, come September, we're probably going to have to hike the prices up, okay? So we're trying to do you a favor. I hope. Anyway, we're trying to we're trying to make it fair. That's the phrase I'm looking for. We're trying to make the ticket prices fair. So if you look on the episode description, there is a link there. Go buy yourself some tickets. Saturday, November the 4th, 2.30 p.m. at the Clapham Grand. We will see you there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I think this is the best example. I don't know how they do it, Steph. Mm. Where they are managing to film. They must have a tiny camera on a, on a bike. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. For the tours, they've started putting those on, which adds weight, obviously. I was going to say, bike, yeah. I think there's one per team that they would do it to, therefore it evens out, I guess. It is the best portrayal of how terrifying a peloton must oh, be I've ever it's seen. It's amazing. There's a phrase they use about that, Mick. So I said before, I love the doc anyway. I said to you before, I'm amazed on crash all the mm. time. And, and you both went, well, they do crash all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I don't watch cycle racing, right? Yeah. And it shows them as the peloton going through like an underpass. Oh. And the fella says, it's like being a traffic jam, but at 200 kilometres an hour. Yeah. yeah. I was like, fuck it up. Because <laughs> they're cheek by jowl everywhere. The peloton scenes I found absolutely chilling because I thought, oh. The bits on the outside of them. So the bit where the guy goes, oh, yeah, I prefer to be in the middle uh, of the peloton. And you're thinking, that sounds a bit fucking nuts because if someone goes down, you're all going down. And then you see the edges of it and you see everything on the outside whizzing past. Mm. And you're like, oh, shit, that would frighten the life out of me. You can imagine, especially when, when it's like a downhill section, if you're mm. doing 60, 70K, mm. that close to everybody else. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And they show like mm-hmm. so one person's wheel buckles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. No, you're suddenly all gone. there's people fly, literally flying through the air. Yeah, 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 and cycling over you. Fucking hell! Then, I tell you what, mate. I, yeah. Not only did I love it as a documentary, so I'm going to watch the whole thing definitely, but probably before the weekend. Yeah. Someone made a really good point on the on the Patreon page on Facebook. Mm. They said they love the Formula One doc as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. But it didn't make them want to watch Formula One. Whereas this made them want to watch the Tour de France. Yes, that is a good point. That's interesting. That is interesting. I think there, there there's a lot of research going into Drive to Survive at the moment in terms of what has it actually pushed people towards. Mm. So in America, I think it has increased the viewing figures and the attendance figures for Formula One, which is what the main aim of it was. Yeah, sure. But what it's actually increased is the viewing figures for Series 2, and for Series 3, and for Series 4 of that. Isn't in America Formula One a sort of comes a distant second to Indy 500. Oh, like a Indy long Kelly. distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, yeah. by a huge distance. There's a few things bigger than that, isn't there? Yeah, well, NASCAR, there's, there's lots of motorsport that would be ahead of it. Yeah, Mansell went and did Indy Car 500, didn't he? Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, at the end of his yeah. career, yeah. We've ever seen about the, what was it called? Is it the Triple Crown? Yeah. Which is to win Monte Carlo. Yeah. Grand Prix, to win the Indy 500 and, at Indianapolis. Yeah. And to win Le Mans 24-hour. And only, only Graham Hill's ever done it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Someone put a photograph of a Graham Hill the other day in that sort of 19, early 1960s Formula One car. Oh, they didn't fucking die every trace. I do not. Yeah, It yeah. looks like a coffin. And his whole chest and shoulders and neck and head are, st- are stuck above the car. Yeah. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. The Peloton. I'm only using this to illustrate my point. 
Mm. So you, you you need to multiply this by a hundred thousand. Usually, when when I'm cycling, because I don't work usual office hours, the cycle lanes are quite quiet. I'm a renegade. But, no, but like occasionally, I'll <laughs> be sucking back at six o'clock. You're not living on the edge of me. You take too much room, are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I got out of my comfort chair. But, but, I, get up at, I get up at 10 o'clock. That's what his bumper sticker says. But there'll be 40 <laughs> cyclists all bunched up together. YOLO. And that's Team not, YOLO. But that's not very pleasant. Because I was yeah. if someone yeah. if someone goes over, if you get your shoelace trapped in your spokes or something, then we're all going to fall and we're all yeah. going to... Turn that one of the France a lot. But, yeah. no, but it's the kind of tough thing that would happen. You got your lace stuck oh, again. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, mate, your backpack stuck in your spokes. It is the kind of daft thing that would happen to a, a commuter on a bike. Yeah. But then we're all getting Tour de France-style injuries, which I don't want Yeah, with want the fucking bus need. behind you as well. Yeah. <laughs> but also those cars. We said before, yeah. we watched that doc before. Oh. Mate, the, the one when there's the crash and they're trying to get bikes through the melee yes. to yeah. the riders that are still... I, I yeah. just thought, my God. Just running past it's other bikes. It's an absolute free-for-all, isn't it? And then you hear on the uh, on the race radio, can we keep the left-hand side empty for the ambulances, guys? The ambulances. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do you know what? I mean, that Facebook patron was bang on because I said, well, Kelly watches for me as well. She knows nothing about cycling and mm. couldn't care less. Right? Yeah. Watch it. it was, but it was fascinating with it. I said, we've got to go next year. Mm. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Got to go to a stage. Fuck it. I said, I, said, I could get, I don't, I don't cycle, but I probably will start doing a bit. Yeah. But I said, I could get right into this. Yeah. They are I, so quick. They're going so fast. I, I had no idea about the whole team and the strategy. Yeah, and the history. But that's what that's what's brilliant is the the explanation of right. Okay, we're going for a stage win. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And your entire three weeks is now fucked. Yeah. Because of something that happened on day one. And you see the text message he sends. Well, that's that then. Yeah. After, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Bissinger's. Yeah. And we've got two and a half thousand miles to go and three. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And they've all got a because um, Owen Dool's part of that team, so Welsh rider. So I was kind of oh, trying to see I if I could see, yeah, yeah. I was trying to see if I could see him in any of the shots of this. Two things. One is I listened to wasn't I was listening to the Buck Rogers original book. I can't remember what the book was called the other day on a on an audible thing. It's a trial. So I thought you can't really find the print version. Mm. It's from the nineteen twenties. Okay, but it got like a one star review on Audible. I thought, why is that then? I played that, and it, the bloke reading it, I shit you not, it's like he's never read a book before, right? Good. <laughs> so that was awful. good. So I don't know how he got that job. The bloke doing some of the voiceovers for this, the English translation, mate, oh. he's like, we're going to win this fucking race. Oh, yes. I thought, oh, mate, you don't sound remotely convincing when you're doing that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Get someone in. I'll just try to emote a little bit. We're going to win this fucking race. <laughs> All right, mate, chill out. But the other thing that, stuck, that made it an easier sell for Kelly if it needed to be, We've said before about how cool they look, and they're fucking, they are tough boys as well. You know, they're high pain threshold and all that sort of stuff. But Florian Seneschal from the Quick Step team has, uh, might have overtaken Simon Jones in my, in my, in my, oh, really? uh, man crush affection. Oh, I'll show you, I'll, I'll put this up now. Yes, he is a very, very handsome bloke, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is cute. He looks like a model. There's no need for that, is there? <laughs> There's no need to look like that, mate. <laughs> sure, yeah, it sounds quite good, the Tour de France. I said, all right, Kel, chill out. <laughs> but what would happen there as well you'd spend the day with a, like a picnic camper near some French road eating lush cheese and lush cold meat and drinking rosé wine and then they'd probably go past you in about two or three minutes yeah 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 very very fast yeah lovely and you're having a piss and you miss the whole you miss it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Pistons into a number two. Yes, at least, yeah. <laughs> I've missed everyone. That's the pate. Sorry, Cal. <laughs> I imagine people must follow it around. They must go from stage to stage watching it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. There's, you know, you, you, lots of people do their holidays where they camp and then they kind of, oh, you know, fucking brilliant. you're just a yes. stage ahead, basically. Phil, Phil Stead, who uh, wrote Red Dragons, the story watch football, does that. Mm. Does he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in the same way the aims of Drive to Survive is to try and increase the viewership of F1, mostly in the States. The way they deal head-on at the start, like you were saying, with the drug stuff, that is most people's perceptions of cycling, of Tour de France-level cycling. Yeah. So... And I very much thought it was still the same. But but to bring that in in episode one, that's almost a non, non-negotiable, to use Jake's language, is almost a non-negotiable. Because yeah. you have to talk about it, don't you? 
because if you've got a general viewership, get out of the comfy chair. Yeah, get out of the comfy chair. Let's talk about the drugs. You know, let's Let's talk about it. You know, you might not feel happy about (laughs) it, but let's talk about the drugs. What's up with the shoes, mate? Fuck off, you knob. Thank you. (laughs) Fuck off, you cunts. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it up. Uh, but I think, yeah, dealing with that head on, brilliant. And then showing the, sp- I think the speed of the sport doesn't come across on TV coverage. So showing that, then you invest a little bit more in the sport. I love all the stuff in the cars. That one we watched before from whenever it was. The car side of it doesn't seem to have changed. It's just manic, isn't it? The whole thing yeah, is yeah, manic. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it, it's such a, f- not just the race that's fast paced. Everything's got to be fast paced. Mm. The decisions are like bang, 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 bang. Yeah, yeah for three weeks. Yeah. I also loved how Fabio Jakobsen was cleaning his own bike at the start. I saw I thought that as well. I thought first of all you're using just a, a pressure hose. That's pretty yeah. cool. Paintbrush. Yeah. Cool way of doing it. I like that. Have you not got like I don't know. Have you, is there no cleaning liquid involved? Are you just gonna spray it down? It's the bit at the start of a Sunday in hell where mm. it's a race mechanic is oh, just yes. doing the oh, same I love thing that. to Eddie yes. Merckx's bike, isn't he? How cool do they look? There's, you said about Merckx's bike, there's that one bit with the fella, the real charismatic silver-haired, blue-eyed bloke. Patrick mm. Lefebvre. Oh, yeah, it makes that call. Makes that call. Mm. Yeah, says, you know, yeah. Basically, I'm not here to be popular, I'm here to win the Tour de France. Yeah. yeah. I started competing when I was 15, and I am a winner. I, I said to Kelly, look at him, I said, that, that bloke screamed, don't take any shit of anybody. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. screams Alex Ferguson hairdryer treatment to me. Oh, completely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But it's that, that collection of old race bikes. Yes. Yes. And there's a sort of yes. 70s drop yeah. handlebar yeah. white race bike. That's a yeah. good looking bit of kit. It was a very nice bike. He pulls out the old photo. Yeah. How oh, class was that? That was lush. David yeah. O'Doherty, the Irish comedian, sort of refits them and does them up so that he's got loads of them in his flat. Like sort of the kind of bike that you'd win the 1986 Tour de France on. Lovely. Yeah, he Lovely. loves that. Obviously, you know it's quick, but I've ne- it's never come across on screen in the same way just how quick and frantic and chaotic the peloton is until I saw this documentary. I thought it was superb. And when you're there, mate, it'll be quicker again. Yeah, yeah. Because I used to watch motorbike racing and then you watch it when the cameras improve and there's on, on bikes, everything, oh, Jesus Christ. When you actually get to a straight... Hmm. Like a, a motor GP, and they come past you. It is fucking nuts how fast they're going. Yeah. So I imagine when you're stood on the side of a of a, of a section of the, of the Tour de France and see that peloton that close together coming past you with that speed would blow your mind if you were having a shit behind a bush. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Find a toilet, you beast. <laughs> well, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you can't shit in a bush. Of course well, you can. It depends how many people there are there. I don't know how many people's there. When you've got to go, you've got to go. You've got, you got a thousand Dutch people waving flags going, Aah! you can do a shit. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. Perfect <laughs> time because it's too noisy. They won't hear anything. Off the side of Alpe d'Huez. <laughs> Obviously, if I'm still in a bloody cafe, I'm going, I'll use the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fucking maniac. I'm not, not going to fucking shit on the pool table. I know, I know how toilets work. I'm going to shit as nature intended, actually, Cal. <laughs> you stay here with the kids. I'm going out the car park. So I said, love your little cafe by the square. Just have a shit in your seat. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Different God invented us to have toilets. He'd have given us toilets. Different posts got different rules, Kelly. <laughs> They're French. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be fine with it. Fucking <laughs> oh, okay, just shitting yourself on the top. One of the next episodes is on the cobbles, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Really, well, that's what I watched. That's the next one. Really yeah, it's good. F- I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Oh, it's really good. Because, again, going over cobbles at that speed. Speaking of the French, who I love, right? You know, Facebook brings these memories up, right? Yes. <laughs> so, nine years ago, I put a photograph of Ben, and he's wearing his Enfant de la Terre uh, t shirt, which my friend Severine gave him, right? Mm. Children of the Earth. Here we go. It, this is what I said. This is in 2014. It was French Day at my son's school today. Kids wearing red, white, and blue. Some with strings of onions around their necks. At least two with drawn-on curly moustaches. Who does that? I've told Ben to organise a surrender at 11am <laughs> and to install himself as leader of the puppet regime in the north of the classroom. <laughs> Subsequent to that, at home time, I shall arrive to collect him driving a transit van full of sheep, which I'm going to use to blockade the approach road to the school before setting fire to it. After an afternoon of wildcat industrial action, we are going home to listen to Edith Piaf records and watch the Hello Hello box set. <laughs> French Day. <laughs> oh. Oh, who gives their kid onions? Drawing a moustache on a kid. Pepper oh. regime in the north of the classroom. Alone. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> who 
<laughs> would make them go in onions around their neck. That's fucking great. Isn't it? That's amazing. So inappropriate. Just so racist. Oh, completely. Can you imagine if any other any other like nationality? Yeah. Imagine doing that. It's xenophobic, Stefan, not racist. <laughs> Spanish day. There's a massive sombrero. Yeah. Like <laughs> in class. Drinking a like, just take a sangria to school with I know, I know you're six, but paella for lunch. <laughs> Have a wineskin. Paella. I try to make the kids eat paella once. Is it paella or paella? Oh, it's paella. But okay, just check. You, you can't say that, can you? Well, so in Portuguese though, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, but you wouldn't say paella because you just sound like a maniac ordering something. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I think there's a point to which you don't say it. Do you know what I mean? Paella. I think paella. you just go oh, the paella, please, mate. Okay. Por favor. Grazie, grazie. Prego, prego. What? Yeah, yeah, grazie. Merci bien. Just bring it over. I got, yeah, I got to get my, my summer holiday sorted as well, so I need to... Uh, yeah. yeah. I've got anything sorted. Have you said you sorted, Steph? Mm-hmm. You haven't gone anywhere. Have you booked it? No? Mm-hmm. No, not really. Mm-hmm. Al? No. No, I haven't either. <laughs> Good chat. I think in France. I think in France. I think in France. Somewhere in the, the toilet. toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Shitting in town squares. Somewhere with a toilet. Imagine that was on your drop list, have a checklist. What do you need? Uh, just has has it got a toilet? A to- to- indoor toilet. Two beds and an indoor toilet. <laughs> well, that's why I don't go camping, mate. That would be a fucking dream come true, that would. Oh, they've always got, they've got toilets. No, oh, fuck that. Of course they have. They've got toilets every campsite. I told you I went camping in McHuntler. Camping is shit. It's not shit. I hate it. Well, that's okay. There was a gypsy caravan on the campsite, right? Yeah. Which was the which was the toilet in Machantleth, right? Yeah. And they had like a sawdust loo. Yeah. Well, that's a shit campsite you've gone to. So I went in the... Well, this was like an artsy one. It was glamping. I wasn't yeah, glam. Yeah, yeah. No, I was fine. Stuff that. I walked in there. And like when I went in the, the area that you sit down to go to the loo, mm. it was the same width as my thighs. It was horrific. Yeah. So I couldn't wipe my ass. So I had to walk out of the area... You, to wipe just, your ass? Yes. You just, whoa. Oh, what, I'm, I was, what, and, then, and then take the soiled toilet roll back. Well, no, listen. I was what? completely listen. wedged in. Listen. Right? Yes, listen. <laughs> Fucking listen a minute. Listen. I was completely, I got, big, I got big thighs, right? Yeah. So I'm wedged into this cubicle, the sawdust toilet, right? I've done a number two. I cannot, there's no way I can get my hand between my legs or around my back. I can't do it anyway, right? So I then got to take the tissue paper with me, bunny hop. Yes. Out into the main area mm. where the urinal is and the sink is. Bear in mind, you can't lock that. Is this Could, nighttime? No, this is the okay. fucking morning. And I've got to squat down and wipe my oh, arms. Oh, Mike. Uh, hoping Mike. that no one comes in. Oh, my God. <laughs> too too much risk involved. I went, I, I went home yeah. within the hour. We Chastened. <laughs> yeah. Crying. So, Kelly, we're going. Come on. This is not acceptable. No, right, so that is, that is a shit toilet experience. And I was making a bake. I was trying to make a bacon afterwards in, in the rain. Yeah. On an, on an outdoor grill. I thought, this is just rubbish. That's a, that's I want my holiday to be better than my house, if possible. That's fine. That's perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> but people don't know they love camping. Love it. I, I like yeah. camping, but I would not. I, would, I don't like sawdust toilets. Oh, do you, why do you do it then? Well, they've got normal. Every campsite I go to has got a normal toilet with a flush and a wall and a roof and. Stuff like that. It's clean. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going somewhere where... I went to the... This one had nothing. The kids at the year of thy Stethvod last year, and that had sawdust toilets, and I did not enjoy that experience. No. That's not fun. This was a sawdust bog, and there was nothing else. There was no nothing to do. But it doesn't mean I don't like the year of thy Stethvod. What I don't it, like is sawdust toilets. There was a one of Izzy's friends, we went camping for her 40th, <laughs> and I, for the weekend, thought, you are a fool. Yeah. This is. I would no. rather do nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So you two don't like camping. So I would. I would, can't even put your trousers on standing up. I would never insist that we do a camping trip together. A distant podcast. Because yeah, trip. because I think that would be weird. Because you two don't enjoy it. But my camping stuff is involved. Either go in places with Eggsy. Yes. And we're sleeping in sleeping bags in a fucking forest, right? Having <laughs> to have a shit in a bag. Yeah. Which they sort of string below a deck chair without any canvas on it. That's yeah. supposed to be, you know, that's all right, is it? No. You know? <laughs> no, clearly not. Or fucking not. squatting down in a bloody gypsy caravan, wipe my ass. I think you've had bad experiences. Yeah, I, mean, I would say go to Portainen or somewhere like that, where it's a nice campsite. Okay. Go to Hill End, where there's a nice campsite. Have fun. If I walked in on you wiping your ass. Oh, can you imagine? I would be so horrified. 
I was like, I fucking feel. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be over the moon about it, to be honest. You just found oh, a thank, thank God Ellis is here. <laughs> 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 so it just walks in. The guy from BBC One's Mammoths wiping his arse off. Oh, yeah. Bent over double. He's <laughs> going, I've got big thighs. I've got big thighs. It's your fault, not mine. I've got big thighs. I've got big thighs. Leave me alone. Maybe I'll give it another go. Two more wipes, you can have a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just not now. Not right now. Can I have a photograph of what? Come on, just having a selfie next to your ass and wipe it. Yeah. Help me out, mate. This is my lowest ever. Come on, <laughs> mate. Not now. Or just next to my arsehole of the selfie. Yeah, just like smiling next to your bum hole. Oh, God. Achaby. <laughs> Everyone does it, but no one wants to talk about it. That's the thing. Yeah. What, wiping your bum? And I love just. That. Yeah, it's exactly I'm all right with it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's humanity's finest achievement, as far as I can exactly. see. that prick the other day who just walked into the pub no. completely naked. This naturist huh? in, in the West Country or somewhere, wasn't it? Oh, piss off. You're not getting served. Go out. Him and his wife, they said they'd phoned ahead and they were up rocks. We, we, we told them we were naturists and blah, blah, blah. There's like kids and families there and the guy walks in with his cock and balls out for a fucking, you know what I mean, for shepherd's pie. <laughs> My kids would laugh their fucking heads off. Pie. I would throw fucking hot gravy over his dick. That's yeah. what I would do. My kids would laugh their heads off and then spend their entire time trying to find towels to whip his dick with <laughs> appropriately. <laughs> I'd get the hottest, wateriest gravy ever. Yes. Just Pour- boiling water and, and an oxo cube and just chuck that over his dick and balls. Oh, sorry, mate. Just Sorry. You got oh. that over your dick and balls. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I phoned ahead. I'm a fucking oddball. What, to tell them that you're a weirdo? I didn't see that. Who does that? Who goes to a pub for Sunday lunch and with their dick out? <laughs> Wait, where's the enjoyment in I mean, that? And even when they say, well, we're naturists, mate. I said, they weren't doing that 4,000 years ago. They weren't any fucking harvesters for a kick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you ever been to a harvester before? <laughs> Put some fucking clothes on, rule one. They definitely, harvesters definitely came around after clothes. <laughs> The salabi, you can go around as many times as you like. Just put some pants on. And even in those days, we wore, like, skins. Yeah, yeah. We've always you know I mean? clothed we're, ourselves. Of course. I have, yeah. And I don't mind getting it out. You know that for a fact. No, you, 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 there's yeah, times yeah. and places. There are times and places. You're right. And Frankie and Benny's is not a place. If we're having a show after a gig, the three of us, yeah. no problem when I have a chat with you up is Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to chat before the gigs, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. You do, actually. I do. Yeah. I, I, I left the changing room last time because it was too small. I've had another change room sharing. Oh, there's nothing worse than you've got a small change room. I mean, I, it was too small a change room. Gordon was there as well. Gordon Smart. When your mates bending over. Like, I just met him. Yeah, that odd then. Yeah. Drawing, drawing between yeah. their toes and they got their ball, ball bag in your face. I think that would have made the atmosphere weird. That's too much. Yeah. I made an executive decision. That was weird. <laughs> so I went to another change room to have a shower. That's fair enough, mate. I thought so. I never shower before, kids, because my hair takes so long to prepare. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> prepare? You make it sound like a souffle. Well, it is. If I didn't, if I had a show right before a gig, I'd look like fucking Duncan Goodyear on stage. Just what? <laughs> right, it is book review time, and it is my choice this time round. And the book I have chosen is about surfing because we listened to a documentary a few weeks ago about surfing, and I got a bit obsessed for a little while. And this is by a surf journalist called Chaz Smith. And the book is called Cocaine Plus Surfing. He is, I would say, a kind of gonzo surf journalist. So he doesn't like surf journalists and he doesn't like the surfing establishment. <laughs> is, is there a surfing establishment? I don't know. I think there is. Around stuffy boardrooms and stuff, smoking cigars. Well, I, th- I think that that's the sort of the image that he pays on the professional side of surfing yeah. is just full of people with sponsorship deals. Oh, yeah, that, that's what's really interesting about it because I don't know enough about it as a sport. He sort of goes into it sort of from the longboard days right the way through to it being a much more professionally run thing now. But throughout that, he thinks there has been this love affair between surfing and cocaine and this link okay. between surfers, the surf scene and coke. And I never, I don't know, because I don't know much about it. I'd always had... They'd never have put those two things together. I'd have had marijuana. Yeah. I would have assumed it was weed. Yeah, That's what I thought yeah. as well. So I would have had it down. Maybe LSD if you're really living on the edge. Absolutely. But it is, it's really interesting. He thinks that there's sort of this link, certainly in the Californian area where he lives, and he sort of goes through the entire thing where surfers are just incredibly relaxed around surf journalists taking coke. But then when he starts writing this book, he starts going to all of these events 
and just asking people questions about whether they're really into coke or not. And it's just really funny because he'll go to you know the head of they're all sort of couched in different ways. So it's the head of a surf clothing company that he then sort of sidles up to. He goes, oh, do you take lots of cocaine then? And this guy's like, oh, and he talks, it's all basically the elephant in the room of actually talking about coke. But it's just very much the same in sort of showbiz mm. circles where everybody would be doing it, but nobody would sidle up to someone and go, oh, can I, have you got any cocaine? Has, has, any, has anybody got any cocaines we could have now? And he just does this. He goes into all these sort of promotional events and goes, oh, is anybody taking lots of cocaine? Where can I find that? And I think it's a really fascinating way of doing it by sort of subverting the culture that's within the room. It can't be the best way of getting an honest answer, though. No, I don't think it is at all, but I think he sort of, he wants to uh, demonstrate the sort of duplicity of the way that the industry works and the way that people are quite comfortable doing these things and having the cocaine, but not even slightly talking about it. And it's a, it's a Hunter S. Thompson style of writing. And it's almost as good, yeah. in fairness. I think he's a really, I'll certainly look at more of his stuff because he's, he's, he's cynical, which helps when it comes to me reading stuff or listening to stuff. But really, really well written and really well. Every sentence is well phrased. And yes. I, I, like, I like that in the writing where there's an effort put into the... Because there's a concept, it's fine anyway, yeah? So you're doing the history of sport, the uh, history of the sport and the history of the drug, and going, he finds the origins, he goes to a surf historian, and finds the origins of surfing are actually in Peru, and the origins of cocaine are there as well. And then he goes through the sort of, a lot of the American stuff around South America, all the stuff that you've talked about in the past, Mike, about the sort of, again, the duplicity of needing that industry to exist in order to, and, and, and it just marries up beautifully. And it's it's a stretch at the start where you go, okay, yes, yeah, so people take drugs, okay. But as he marries the two themes throughout the book, you go, okay, this this actually works as a thing. It's really well done. And what's his conclusion? What does he what does he take away from it? He just he thinks that they're inextricably linked. He thinks that the hmm. two things are absolutely lovers. I think he describes them as being. He hmm. describes it as being this, this love affair between cocaine and surfing. And I yeah, I just find it really interesting because I think that there are. A, billion sports yeah. where there will be drugs and and the sports intertwined and it's just interesting to hear someone being honest about it well i think i'm quite I'm quite unusual in, in the circles i move in i think where i've i've never tried it i've never i've never tried class a's i've smoked i've smoked weed a couple of times in my life and can, can, can i say objectively mm. it's not your thing <laughs> you, no you, <laughs> just just as an interested observer from the outside right what the world doesn't need is Mike Bubbins on coke. With more confidence. Exactly. <laughs> With more confidence. Oh, I would love to see Mike trip. That, that would be good. That would be so funny. Yeah, I think that would be funny. I think the LSD might be the fun experiment. Rugby-related tripping. Yeah, I think that, that side of things might be good for you. I think, yeah. But you know what? Go on. Because there's an awful lot of it around these days, isn't there? I'm going to try it. No, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> well, I was in that hotel on the Friday night. Yes. We've been recommended by friends of ours to go to this place called the Coronation Tap, the Corrie Tap in Clifton, right? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, good. Really old yep. cider pub, right? Yeah. Well, I went in there, me and Cal. So I'm 51. Cal's uh, mid-40s, right? Yeah. Get in there, and all you could have, there's just cider. There was no, there's nothing else to drink really, other, apart from shorts. Mm. And I said, "Well, I'll have the I'll have the coronation, their own cider, right? Yeah. The, the famous coronation, like the coronation chicken, please. Yeah. They don't don't do it in pints yeah. because it's eight point four percent. Fuck that. Yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> so you get them in halves. Yeah. But it's really nice. So we're in there, and it was packed. It was like a Friday night. It was a really nice night outside. There's no real beer garden to speak of. There was no Sky Sports. There was no gambling machines. It was just an eight predominantly eighties playlist going on. Yeah. I reckon the average age would have been 19, 20 maybe, right? Just youngsters all over the place, all drinking cider, all having a laugh, all singing along with all the music that was on the thing as well, right? Packed in there. Yeah. I thought, fuck, I had a couple of ciders. So I was, I was in a good mood anyway. And the young lad beyond the bar, football shirt, you know. He said, all right, mate. I said, yeah, I'll have another couple of those. I said, I've got to tell you, pal. I said, you are renewing my faith in your generation. And he laughed. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, well I said, what are you, 20? I said, and you're all in here. I said, just drinking cider. Singing along to the fucking Smiths and having a great time. I fucking love it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, thanks a lot, man. I really like your shirt. I said, so we're going to talk about stuff and 
I said to Kelly, I said, I'm, I'm the oldest here by 30 years, right? But no one's nipping off the bogs every 30 seconds to take coke. They're all just getting smashed on fucking yeah. scrimpy and singing the Smiths. This is fucking brilliant. This'll do me. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I'm getting into cider. It just seems such more sociable. Like, I, well, I've been to like reunions of boys with mates mm. of mine. Yeah. If, if like two or three of the lads are into coke, they're off all the time. Back and yeah. forth the bogs, back and forth the bogs, back and forth. You're like, for fuck's sake, let's just have a sit down. They're either into cocaine or they've got diarrhea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They might just have serious prostate issues that they need to go and see someone about. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. the right age. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it just seems so much more sociable than looking at a screen or, yeah. you know, or, or queuing up for the box for an hour to get into a cubicle. Yeah. It was just the youngsters in there drinking mm. cider, getting pissed, singing the Smith. I thought, yeah, this is what it's all about, mate. This will do me. This will do me. Can't get cider and surfing. Mike's new book. I'll write a book on that. <laughs> this is people's shit based on cider. <laughs> Finding really yeah. lame waves. What's the second block called? Drowning. <laughs> As it turns out, they weren't natural bedfellows. Yeah. Yeah, eight points of scrumpy went out surfing, died. Just died. <laughs> Chapter two. <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, Cocaine Plus Surfing. It's by a guy called Chaz Smith. So that's this week's oh, cool. little book. Hope you enjoyed this week's Social Distance Sports Bar. That was part two. If you still haven't listened to part one, it's still available for you. Head back and have a listen. If you're new to the sports bar, go back to the very start. Be a completist. Work backwards, maybe. I don't know. Try and... What was that? Uh, Ellis and John always had retro oneers when they did stuff on Radio X. They were people who kind of joined later on and had gone back and listened through the whole canon. There are more than 160 episodes there for you guys. I was trying to think. No, none of them are time sensitive. That was kind of always the idea, was that these things would be what they call in the industry evergreen content, bits you can go back and have a listen to whenever. So do it. Be a completist. If, if there are jokes on the Facebook fan page that you are on that you don't get, there's a reason for that. Head back and have a listen to everything that we've done. Yeah, I'd love to know. Get on the Facebook group or on at Distant Pod on social media and tell me when you started listening to the podcast and how many you've got to make up. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next week. <laughs>